0: today if you want to open up proverbs we're going to flip around a little bit but i got a cheat paper here so the first one is proverbs 17:17 17, 17, and it says a friend loves at all times and a brother is born for adversity proverbs 25:20 20 says whoever sings songs to a heavenly heart is like one who takes off a garment on a cold day and like vinegar on soda Proverbs twenty seven seventeen Iron sharpens iron and one man sharpens another. And then Proverbs twenty seven five through six Better is open rebuke than hidden love. Faithful are the wounds of a friend, profuse are the kisses of an enemy. This is the word of the Lord. All right, good afternoon. I guess good evening um, about this time. Welcome, everybody. Glad that you are here. Happy Fourth of July weekend. As I'm looking out, Um, This is my first 4th of July in Texas, so I don't know if I should be disappointed or proud that there's no American flag shirts going on right now, Um, nobody decked out, maybe y'all saved them for uh, tomorrow, but uh, happy 4th of July, glad that all of you are here as we continue on in a series that we started, new series that we started um, last week entitled Living in Community. Uh, Tori started us last week, and we looked at David and the positive example that David sets for us in friendship. We specifically looked at Psalm uh, 133, or 133, where David wrote how good and pleasant it is when brothers dwell in unity. And so we talked about unity, we talked about community in the church, and, and the significance of community um, in in the Christian's life. And we looked at our distinctive. We're gonna throw up here in a moment. This is one of the distinctives we have here at the well. I forgot to introduce myself for those who are like, who is this dude? If you were not here a few months and saw me, you were like, what happened? Uh, my name is Travis. I'm the church plant resident um, here at the well. Sorry, I forgot about that. I told my wife to keep an eye out. Who cheers? We're gonna to try to recruit those people, okay? So some of you are like, dang. So one of the distinctives we have here is live in community, and we're going to read it together. It says, we don't find community, we fight for community. Growth is not done in isolation. The Lord's army doesn't enlist privates. We grow best when we do it in community with others. As a church, we do this through our Sunday gatherings, community groups, missional communities, support groups, and personal discipleship. Within this, we strive to be a diverse community that foreshadows our true home, modeling the beauty of heaven until it comes. And as you can see, there's two key parts that are highlighted in our distinctive. And it's that we don't find community, but we fight for community. And it's that we strive to be a diverse community. And this is something that I have found to be so true um, as i have only been here for about 5 or 6 months and diving into a new community like it's not just going to be found like you legit have to fight for it and there's the message in a lot of churches of the encouragement in a lot of churches is you just got to find community no, you got to fight for it. Like, you got to sign up for the CG Olympics. You got to go to things. We have all, well, I, I just can't meet anybody. Well, it's because you don't go to it. You don't go anywhere. Like, and I am bummed to miss it. I hope the East cohort takes it. I am their coach. And so East Side Riders, let's get it for it. I'm going to be gone. That's what I call us to when, I'm, when I'm speaking about us. Um... <laughs> But I found this to be true. When, when we, Excel and I first got here, um, one, I think it was like a month after we got here, there was what's called Third Sunday Reoccurring. And we went and uh, you meet at Central Market and like get to meet people and fellowship and all that kind of stuff, share a meal together. And we get there at Central Market and it is packed. Like we are driving up and down um, not lanes, but what are they called, the aisles, wherever you park, the parking spots. We're driving and driving for like legit five minutes. And I am not the most patient person. And so I'm like, we're just leaving. Forget this. We're out of here. And my wife uh, goes, we have to fight for community. That's what we're (laughs) learning at the well. And I said, I said, yeah, thanks. But I was like, fine. And so we park and come to find out there's like an Iranian festival going on. And so we walk in and There ain't nobody we know and we finally see Huli and she introduces us and we got to meet um, the Eads and have fellowship and everything. But that would not have happened if I would have just gave in to my flesh and just said, forget it, I'm, I'm out of here. Like you really have to fight, you really have to strive for community and to live in community. A lot of churches, I think, want to attend community, but they don't actually want to live in community. We want to attend community when we're here in, in these four walls or when we're in our CGs. Like, that's community. But when we, do we really desire to have life with each other? And that's something that I have appreciated here at The Well. This really doesn't have anything to do with my message, but <laughs> this is my only time I get to preach on community in this series, so I just got to get it, get it all out. But... Like we said, uh, Tori started us off looking at David um, last week, and so we're gonna look at David's son this week, uh, Solomon. And Solomon was David's son. He was the third king over Israel. Uh, He was the author of a lot of wisdom um, literature. He wrote Song of Solomon, Ecclesiastes, most of Proverbs, a couple of Psalms, and he was filled with so much wisdom. Listen to what God actually spoke um, over Solomon or to Solomon. He said, behold, I now do according to your word. Behold, I give you a wise and discerning mind so that none like you has been before you and none like you shall arise after you. This is God speaking to Solomon and saying, you you are so wise, there is nobody who like you before and there will never be anybody like you to come, And so with that wisdom, Solomon actually writes a lot about friendship and a lot about community. And so our title for today is Friendship Lessons. We're going to look at what it means to be a good friend, what it means for us as believers specifically to be um, good friends. And so friendships in our culture, though, and the reason I think this series is so important is because friendships aren't really seen as important in our society like, you got romantic relationships. Everybody's all about romance. Um, if you stack up all of the books, all of the movies and songs that are about romantic love, as opposed to those written just about friendship love, it wouldn't even be close. Next time you go to H-E-B, look at the magazines and tell me what they say. It's so-and-so is sleeping with so-and-so. It's so-and-so's best friends. Nobody cares. Like, I don't want to know that. <laughs> so and so sleeping with so-and-so. Oh, I want to know. I don't want to know. You want to know. But, I mean, maybe I want to know. But that's what they are. That's what it's about. Men's health, 12 ways to make your girl happy. Like, there ain't no 12 ways to be a better gym partner and to be a better friend. Because society just does not care. We don't. And if you have more of a traditional view, that would say if your family relationships are actually more important. And so, family first. Or there's social relationships that we have with coworkers, with bosses, with employees, with customers. All of these relationships throw themselves on us, whether biologically or just naturally to survive, except for friendships. Like, romantic love caused you to be here. Family love raised you and reared you, and some of you may feel like, and I didn't have family. Like, I was, I was raised by wolves. That was just me on my own. Like, those wolves at least had some kind of relationship <laughs> with you to, to raise you. And in order to survive and in order to live, we have to work, we have to, we have to interact with people. But friendships are unique because friendships are a choice. And so sometimes we don't choose to have them because we actually have to fight for them. Both individual and community as a whole, we can live without friendship. Society can live without friendship. Friendship has no survival value, but it actually gives value to survival though. And so we don't need friendship to continue on in life to survive, but man, it adds so much value to us. And so friendship is necessary for us. Let's, uh, let's go into our four first point. we got four points today. We're going to talk about what it looks like to be a good friend, all right? Um, the first mark of a good friend is they are considerate. They are considerate. Look at one of the Psalms that we read. Whoever sings a song to a heavy heart is like one who takes off a garment on a cold day and like vinegar on soda. And so he says, somebody who sings songs to a heavy heart, he gives two comparisons. One, it's like taking a garment off of somebody on a cold day. And two, it's like vinegar on soda. Why? Singing songs aren't bad. We just sang a whole bunch. We're going to sing another one here in a moment. But it was the context of which that song was being sung to is being sung to a heavy heart. Solomon is giving us this idea of of somebody who has a heavy heart, somebody who is in distress, and somebody else coming to them all happy and chipper and jolly and trying to encourage them, but that's not what that heavy heart actually needs. And it's insensitive and it's inconsiderate. And that behavior at times towards the person when all they really need is quiet and comfort. If you know the story about Job, Job suffered tremendous loss. And his friends get there, and for seven days, they just sit in silence with him. And it wasn't until they actually started opening up their mouth and saying things that were inconsiderate is when things started to go south and Job felt like, man, a garment was being taken off of him on a cold day. What you might be sharing, what sometimes we share with people may be right, it may be good, it may be true, but it may not be the time and the place. And oftentimes we're inconsiderate one of two ways. Sometimes some of us can be inconsiderate when one of our friends is struggling and just be like, man, you just need to, you just need to suck it up, man. Come on, suck it up, bugger a cup. Let's go, let, let, let's move on. And then other people are like, no, let's just talk and talk. And they just talk and they talk and they talk and they talk and they talk. And in their desire to encourage them and to talk and to speak life to them, they're actually being inconsiderate when all they need is quiet. And I struggle with this sometimes. I struggle with knowing what to say. I struggle sometimes with being a good friend and knowing what to say. Like, I want to have the right words. I want to have the right verse. I want to have the right thing that's just going to, bam, hit them, just lead them to Jesus. But oftentimes, I don't know what they need because sometimes they don't know what they need as well. And so we talk and we work through things. I think, I think about an experience that I had recently uh, in October. And for some that I've gotten to meet here, um, I've shared my story a little bit with you. But at the end of October, um, my pastor that I was at, my previous church, actually passed away. And he was only 49 years old, and so it was really unexpected. And I remember getting that call at 1230 at night, and I remember driving to his family's house, Excel and I in the car and didn't say anything, didn't, didn't talk, didn't turn on worship music, we're just driving in silence. And I remember walking up to the house and getting there and his sons are crying and his wife is crying and his parents are crying and his brothers and I remember feeling so almost useless at that time because I couldn't provide something for them. Yet it was the silence that I think ministered to them the most. It wasn't me going in there saying, hey, everybody, let's rejoice. He's in heaven, right? Hallelujah. Like that's like vinegar on soda. And so the best thing that I could actually do was just weep and hug and be with them. We have to, when we sing to a heavy heart, we don't bring comfort but rather discomfort. Without sensitivity, we actually can cause more damage in the cold. That's what soda and vinegar does, this image. It's like bubbling over. You're ruining both of these and you're just really making a mess. And your Christian quote, when God closes a door, he opens a window. That's not gonna help all the time. It may be true, like in some instances, but that's not always what they need. And so we have to get ourselves off of ourselves and really think about what they need. I need to lay down my pride and my ego and wanting to say what's right and be considerate to them. Look at what Solomon says in Proverbs 27:4. Whoever blesses his neighbor with a loud voice, rising early in the morning, will be counted as a cursing. <laughs> I ain't gonna say anything, like you just know that's funny. Like if I, after this message, tomorrow, my family and I are going back to California for a few weeks to visit. This heat is just killing me. I got to get out of here for sure. <laughs> I don't even remember what a cold day feels like. Like we just read. Like, I got to get out of here. And so after, t- after say in about an hour, um, we're out in the lobby and I'm talking with Tori and we're talking about the ch- every whatever we're talking about going in and I tell Tori I say Tori you know what I'm just so happy to be at the well um man God is going to use the well to reach the nations and you are just an amazing pastor and I love you and we just share a bro hug right there in the lobby and he's like bro have a safe flight and we leave now say I say that same thing to him tonight at 2 30 and he answers hello everything okay Travis I'm like Tori I just called you to tell you I'm happy to be at the well (laughs) And I believe that the well is going to reach the nations. It's like, it's 2.30. Yeah, but you're a great pastor and I love you. <laughs> he's like, stay in California, you're fired, all right? And he's in a hang-up. That's what it is. That, that's what it's like when we are inconsiderate to one another, when we're trying to feed our own ego, when we're trying to feed our own pride and be Jesus to every other person, when in reality we just need to sit what you might be saying is good and right, but the right thing at the wrong time just won't be received and is actually in fact dangerous. Proverbs 26:18 through 19 like a madman who throws firebrands, arrows and death. Like I don't even know how you throw death, but he's just he's just throwing it out. He said, is the man who deceives his neighbor and says, I am only joking. Solomon paints an image of this fierce warrior with these weapons and with death. And this person is a danger. And what does he do? He deceives. He's disconnected emotionally to his friends. And he doesn't know how to joke. He doesn't know how to relate because he's not actually a listener, but he just spews out whatever comes to mind. And so how are we considerate? Man, it really just comes through listening and through prayer. There have been many times when I have been having a conversation with somebody and I'm thinking, I have no idea what I'm about to say to them. I'm thinking that to my mind. And I just have to pray and ask the Holy Spirit to give me the words to say. I'm just praying inwardly as they're talking. God, help me to know how I can care for them and how I can love them. Before we move on from this point, I want to encourage some here. Because there are some in here that probably have been in church and have been in community for a while and Christians have not been really considerate or caring of you. And so I just want to encourage you to not throw out the divine because of human failure or sinfulness of men, but actually seek community. Just because you have bad experiences with people not caring for you right or caring for you the way that God would, I want to encourage you to find community. And so godly friends, good friends, are considerate they're caring for others and so although we are careful not to hurt others we're also not afraid to provide counsel that's a second mark of a good friend a counselor counselors give advice they give guidance proverbs 27:17 says as iron sharpens iron one man sharpens another Again, Solomon uses this imagery of iron sharpening another piece of iron. If you think about this, there is striking going on. There is friction. There is sparks. Somebody has the opportunity to be burned. Yet without it, iron becomes dull and it becomes useless and it doesn't get developed into what it needs to be. And so, if we are going to be a good friends, we're a good friend. We are considerate, but we also provide counsel. This is what it looks like for us to sharpen one another. We challenge one another. We speak the word to one another. We say hard things to develop their character. We call out ungodliness. Roy, who is a missions associate here, I think is his proper title, um, in exegesis he said something, and I think he said took this from somebody else, but I didn't remember who he took it from, so Roy's getting the credit for this. It says... (laughs) That might be plagiarism, but I don't, I don't know who it was. Love, Roy said this, love is the will to nurture another spiritual growth. And so to be a friend, especially a godly friend, a Christian friend, our number one hope is not for them to be a better person, but for them to be more like Christ. And so oftentimes we just wanna help them develop in their character, which is a part of it, but are we actually giving them the counsel that they need to go to Christ? Friendship isn't just about affection, about, oh, I love you, I care for you. But it's a desire to help them push closer and closer to Christ. And this is not easy. Iron sharpening iron is not easy for either pieces of iron. It's not just easy for them to receive, but it's also hard for us to give when we bring godly counsel. Hebrews 4.12 says that the word of God is living and active, sharper than any two-edged sword, penetrating soul and spirit, joint and marrow. And so if we are bringing godly counsel, that's how it's gonna feel sometimes, like the word of God is penetrating them, but we have to be strong iron to help sharpen them. You can't sharpen iron with a sponge. And so how then do we become iron without going through a whole entire sermon about how to be stronger in Christ and how to be iron. I would point you back to our last series where we talked about fellowship with the Holy Spirit. We're so obsessed with being the better us for the sake of us and not for the sake of others. When was the last time you did a new year's resolution and you actually thought about somebody else in the process of that? We don't. We think about ourselves, right? We think about how can I this make me better? But we don't actually think about how this is going to affect other people. Proverbs twenty-seven nine says this about counsel. Oil and perfume make the heart glad, and the sweetness of a friend comes from his earnest counsel. You have a totally different image. One is iron sharpening iron, is like somebody sharpening uh, a friend. And then the other one is like sweetness. Like, what are we taught? like how, how do these two go together? We went from striking this violent process to something being sweet. But when we provide counsel to one another, it doesn't always look the same. If when you provide counsel to a friend, it always looks like iron sharpening iron, or it always is sweet to them and encouraging and such, oh, they're just so in love with you afterwards, somebody might be maybe intentionally or unintentionally manipulating the other person. And so giving counsel is sweet at times, but it's also striking. It also is rough at times. Give counsel with confidence, though, Because God has placed you in the people's lives around you for a reason. You are in the CG that you are in for a reason. You have the friends that you have for a reason. Oftentimes we think it's our good choosing. And to a degree it is, but C.S. Lewis said this. Um, C.S. Lewis is a brilliant Christian theologian, author, wrote the most popular series um, most people probably heard of, Chronicles of Narnia. He said this. In friendship, we think we have chosen our peers. In reality, a few years difference in the dates of our births, a few more miles between certain houses, the choice of one university instead of another, the accident of a topic being raised or not raised at a first meeting. Any of these chances might have kept us apart. But for a Christian, there are strictly no chances. A secret master of ceremonies has been at work. Christ, who said to the disciples, ye have not chosen me, but I have chosen you, can truly say to every group of Christian friends, ye have not chosen one another, but I have chosen you for one another. The friendship is not a reward for our, dis, for our uh, discriminating and good taste in finding one another out. It is the instrument by which God reveals to each of us the beauties of others. And so C.S. Lewis is saying, we think we choose our friends, But in reality, God has put people around you. And I think about me and how I got here. Through one Instagram message, I came through the well. Through one random page that I found, I ended up here at the well. Because of me FaceTiming my parents while they were driving in Austin... I saw a banner for a business, reached out to the business, and now that owner is one of my closest friends here in Austin. Five seconds later, them starting that FaceTime call, I don't think I would have been friends with him. God could have worked it out however he did, but it goes to C.S. Lewis's point. Like, you choose a different university, man, your friends are different. You were born in a different city. You go to a different school, all of these things. Um, And so I wanna say that to encourage you, God has placed you in people's lives for a reason. Be counsel, be iron to them, be willing to sharpen and say the hard thing. And the third thing goes with it, the third mark of a good friend. And not only are you a counselor, but you're, counted, you're candid, you're truthful, you're straightforward. Proverbs 27, five through six, better is one rebuke, or better is open rebuke, excuse me, than hidden love. Faithful are the wounds of a friend. Profuse are the kisses of an enemy. What is rebuke? Rebuke is to express disapproval by exposing a wrong. Rebuke is not just necessary, but Solomon would actually say it's good. Rebuke is good to express disapproval, to help somebody grow, to be able to be truthful. We are considerate, yes, but we are also gentle and prayerful to rebuke and speak truth to one another. But this is hard, both for the one receiving it and for the one speaking it. And oftentimes we think truth will weaken a friendship, but in reality, that's what cements a friendship. Something that I love here being on the team at The Well is one of our, not distinctives, but one of our team covenant things um, is, is, uh, is radically transparent. And I love that about our team that everybody just says, whatever they want and it took me time to get used to that and i was like okay i'm gonna say some next time okay i'm gonna say something now i'm just sharing everything and but i love that but but it doesn't just happen like we are open to one another we we see we are all iron sharpening iron I, if i came in never mind <laughs> it was wise thank you Julia. it was wise <laughs> Would you rather have honest love or hidden love? Love is useless when hidden. I'd rather have an open rebuke, honest love. And we see that faithful are the words of a friend. They are like wounds. What are these wounds? These are words that a friend needs to hear. Those painful but gentle words of correction is what we need when we have friends. We are considerate, but we are candid. And if we fail to do this, we're actually an enemy to their soul. We're actually like an enemy that would just keep, continue to kiss them and kiss them and kiss them. Not like that, all right? <laughs> As I was thinking about this, I thought of I don't know if that show, this show's still on. Some of you maybe remember it, some of you are young, but anybody remember the show uh, American Idol? Um, The what made, okay, a few people, America's Got Talent, okay, of back in the day, kind of, only singing. Um, And and what makes those shows the best is the people who absolutely have no talent at all. That's what makes those shows the best. And I remember, I, re- I don't know why I remember, I was in the seventh grade and there was a guy who went on American Idol and became famous, like legit famous, and his name was William Hung. And he was, and he was like, she bang, she bang, she sang Ricky Martin song, she boo. And, and, and like you get these people who just cannot sing. And they tell me, oh yeah, my friends told me I could, my family members told me I could. And you just think to yourself, Gosh, they have nobody who cares about them, who loves them. I mean, that's what makes the show so much fun, but it's sad that they have nobody in their life who can legit just tell them, you have, this isn't the gifting that God has placed in your life, brother, <laughs> sister. Get some real friends. Proverbs twenty nine five says, a man who flatters his neighbor spreads a net for his feet. We're, s- we're spreading a trap over our friends when we don't give them The truth when we're just simply flattering. And again, this happens when we are self-absorbed. We're self-absorbed and so we're not considerate to what the other person needs. We're self-absorbed to where we don't wanna feel uncomfortable by sharing this bad news. Like I've been there before where I've told somebody that they, yeah, that looks nice. And it did not look nice, but I didn't wanna hurt their feelings. And so good friends though are counselors. They are considerate. And they are candid. And the fourth and last mark of a good friend is they are consistent. They are with you no matter what. They are faithful. They are constant. If we're gonna be good friends, we're gonna be there for people. Proverbs 17, 17, the first verse that we read, a friend loves at all times. That word in the original Hebrew actually means all times. It's good times, it's bad times, it's ordinary times, it's fun times. There is no change in my commitment to you because of outward circumstances. Are we willing to be that kind of friend? There's no such thing as fair weathered fans, but we are to be there always. Hebrews um, 3.13 actually says this. But exhort one another every day, as long as it is called today, that none of you may be hardened by the deceitfulness of sin. We are to remain in each other's lives. Now, do you have to call everybody every single day, text everybody every single day, go by their house every single day? I think there is a middle ground. Proverbs 18, 24 actually would tell us, hey, don't take it easy. He says, a man of many companions, or excuse me, 25, 17, let your foot be seldom in your neighbor's house lest he have his fill of you and hate you. <laughs> I love the realness of the Bible. Like he says, hey, encourage them every day, but at the same time, give them their space, all right? Don't be clingy. Don't, don't, <laughs> leave them alone. What it means is we're available though. We're checking in on them. We're there for them, no matter what they need, no matter when they need it. Proverbs 18:24. Solomon says this, a man of many companions may come to ruin, but there is a friend who sticks closer than a brother." Remember, this is actually being written in a culture where family was everything. And so to say that a friend actually can stick closer to a brother, Solomon was saying something big here. But Solomon, like we just read, was the wisest person there ever was, ever will be. And because friendship is not necessary in our society, it'll often be the first thing we give up. And so we won't remain constant because what well, we gotta keep are coworkers. Like, unless you're the boss, I guess you could fire them. But you, like, you, they're gonna, you're gonna have other coworkers. You're gonna have family. You're gonna have people who, care for, who have cared for you, raised you up. You're gonna have those other type of things. But friendships, sometimes we don't see as a big deal. But a good friend won't let you go to ruin. They will be there for you. And it's tough, though. It's tough to find good friends. It's tough to find friends who are like this. But oftentimes we can't find great friends like this because we're not this. Because this is tough. Like, think about what we just said. It's not easy to be transparent. It's not easy to be emotionally vulnerable, it's not easy to be there all the times. It's not easy to say the right things. And so it's tough for us to feel like we can be that for somebody else or, 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 or expect that from somebody else onto us. But we have an example in Christ. And Christ is not an example that we watch from afar off like, oh, that's how you be a good friend. But Christ is somebody who we can experience firsthand as a friend, Christ is the greater one. Christ is the considerate friend who sings the right songs at the right time while on the cross he sang and he, sa- he was there and he sang out Psalm 22 and he cried out, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me while he was laying his life down because he cares for you. As iron sharpens iron and we get that imagery of we of us sharpening one another we think of Christ and the iron that pierced his hands and pierced his feet so that we might receive the gift of salvation and receive the holy spirit the greater counselor He doesn't just speak candidly he doesn't just speak truth but he guides us in truth and he is truth Christ is the consistent best friend who sticks closer than a brother that is always there. He is the faithful one. Hebrews 2.2, that for for the joy that was set before him, he endured, he remained, he was consistent. What was the joy that was set before him? It was our salvation. It was you. It was me. It was his friends that caused him to remain and to take upon the cross. John 15.15. Jesus is speaking. He says, no longer do I call you servants. For the servant does not know what the master is doing, but I have called you friends. For all that I have heard from my father, I have made known to you. Christ calls us friends. And this is something that's kind of hard for me to grasp. Like, I think I told Tori and I... I, I was talking to Steph about this one time. Like, I don't have a problem thinking that Christ could raise from the dead. I have no problem thinking that he can do miracles. I have no problem with that. But sometimes I struggle with believing that as ratchet as I am, he calls me friend. Like, the God and the creator, that might be my alarm. No, it's not. Yeah, it might be mine. Tori, can you get that for me? <laughs> I don't know if it is or not, but we had a prayer alarm going at 5 15 with our staff, so maybe it wasn't though. But it's hard for me to grasp that. It's hard for me to understand that the creator of the heavens and the earth calls me friend. But if we're going to endure till the end, <laughs> is that you, Yusuf? Was that him? After Casey gives you this 10-second clap for Yusuf, you go and pull a move like this. If we are going to endure, though, like I am enduring during this sermon, if we, especially as a young church, are going to remain faithful to Christ for all of our life, it's only going to happen when Christ is our best friend. Yeah. Community is so important. And, and I'll say it, and like I said, I'm leaving for California so nobody can yell at me um, tomorrow when I go into the office. But, like, without community, you'll die. You will die. Spiritually speaking, without community, you will die. Let me read a verse I actually um, skipped over earlier. Uh... 1 John 1 7. But if we walk in light as he is in light, we have fellowship with one another. And so if you would say that you truly walk in light, that you are truly saved and you have been brought out of darkness into light, you will have fellowship with one another. That's just I that's just what it says. That's just what God has put up. We need one another. And so that is important. Don't get me wrong. But it will not keep you. Beneficial, helpful. CGs are important. Community friendships are important. But if you're counting on the people in your CG or the people on this stage to continue to carry you all the way, it's not going to happen. Christ needs to be your best friend. I thought about this this week and as I was preparing for this message I always I always struggle sometimes this week because as I'm getting closer and so dependent on God as I'm preparing a message sometimes I lack in my own personal devotion time and the only time I'll read scripture is when I'm studying for my sermon during the week and I'm thinking what about my time just to be with my friend and so sometimes I know that that can be the case for others well, I got to study, I got to read, I got to read this up for CG or I'm going through this Bible study in this discipleship. But do we truly just delight in knowing that the creator of the heavens and earth calls us friend and that he will teach us firsthand what it means to care for one another? Let's pray. Lord, we need you, God. You are a friend. Solomon had all of this wisdom. Yet we find out that he did not endure all the way. The Bible says that as he grew old, his heart turned away from you. In the midst of all of this wisdom about friendship, it does not matter. If you are not our best friend. All these things we, we know, God. We know we should be truthful. We know we should be considerate and caring. We know we shouldn't be fair-weathered friends, Lord. But I pray that this message would serve as a reminder to us, not just about how to be a good friend, but to remind us of the good friend, the perfect friend that we have in you. You are the considerate Counselor. You are the candid constant in our lives. Let us grab a hold of that. Let us remember that. Let us delight in your presence. Let us delight in your word. Strengthen us. Help us to be iron, not for the sake of just being strong, but for encouraging and sharpening one another. Love you God, would you just take a moment? And just tell him you love him. Tell him. Just tell him thank you for being my friend. When I am not considerate towards him, he is towards me. When I am unfaithful to him, he is faithful to me. When I have found deceit in my life and I lied to myself he is truth when I am lost he is my guide he is my counselor God I love you so much you're my best friend this be a remembrance to you that though we feel alone sometimes in this life that we have such a good friend who sticks closer than a brother who gave his life for you and for me that he might call us friends